All right, still week nine, part D, are we on? D. This is going to be chapter 18 and 19, which will take us to the end of this week's reading. We are in the home stretch. Verse 1, 18. Moreover, the word of the Lord said to me, Take thee a great roll, and write in it with a man's pen concerning Maher Shalal Hashbaz. This is speed, spoil, hasten, plunder. So it's like, quick to the plunder, is, is what this name is. Okay? And I took unto me faithful witnesses to record Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Zebrakiah. And I went unto the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord to me, Call his name Mahershalal Hashbaz. Oh, quick to the plunder. Right? For behold, the child shall not have knowledge to cry, My father, my mother, um, which is a very easy thing to cry in when you're an infant or a you know toddler in Hebrew. Okay? Those are easy words to say. Not, not nearly as I mean not nearly as hard as in English, right? Before the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. Meaning Assyria is going to do this, right? Assyria is going to be defeated by Assyria and it's going to be very, very soon before this kiddo uh, grows up enough to say, Abi, my dad. The Lord spake unto me also, saying, For as much as this people refuseth the waters of Shiloh that go softly, and rejoice instead in Rezin and Remaliah's son. So this is this is the Gihon spring, the spring that was sacred to Ashwatah. They reject it, they refuse it. Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth oh, and why why? Uh, why was this the uh, why was this Gihon spring sacred? Uh, because it emerges into the uh, into the valley below the Temple Mount. The original Temple Mount was situated in the in the city of David. It's called the Ophel now. Uh, and the Gihon Spring emerges right down below it. So this was this was seen to be, uh, probably planned to be, uh, the same thing as the um, as the waters of life emerging in Eden from the roots of the Tree of Life. Right, the throne of God is situated at the Tree of Life or within it. In most accounts, and the waters of life emerge and go out to water all the whole world um, from the, the Garden of Eden. This is why in in Genesis, one of the great rivers, one of the four great rivers that break off from this uh, tree of life in the Garden of Eden, is the Gihon, this tiny nothing spring. You know, <laughs> but there it is at the temple, so you gotta you gotta count that in, right? But Israel rejects this. Why? They're in the process of rejecting the son and rejecting the mother and rejecting the father as a father. He's just going to be God, a neuter, uh, solo, single God, right? Not a family God. That's, that's, the, that's the project of the Deuteronomists, and Hezekiah is part of that. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon... Okay, so since they rejected, now, therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon... Bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, and this is Nahar. And, and like like we saw before, this should be a proper name, Nahar. Brings up the waters of river, right? Strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over his channels and go over his banks. So they didn't like the peaceful waters of the sacred spring of Gihon. All right, fine. I'm bringing floodwaters in on. Floodwaters of the Tigris and Euphrates. This is going to be the king of Assyria, right? 
And he shall pass through Judah, this is verse 8, he shall pass through Judah, he shall overflow and go over, he shall reach even to the neck, that's how deep the flood's going to be, and the stretching out of his wings, like wings of a bird of prey, shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. So who's he addressing? The king, God, the God with us, the, the supposed to be the representative of God, right? So, king, you know, you're in for it now because he's going to, you know, his wings are going to, you know, spread out, he's going to flood over the land. Verse 9, associate yourselves, O ye people, and ye shall be broken in pieces. And give ear, all ye of far countries. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Meaning, uh, meaning yeah, sure, go out and fight with these guys, but you'll be chopped up, right? 10, take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand. For God is with us. Now, this is this is Israel's kind of trash talk. Yeah, go ahead. Bring it on. I'll bet it'll backfire. For the Lord spake thus unto me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, uh, saying say, a confederacy, right? So um, um, what does this mean? This, in, this is um, the, Lord, the Lord tells him forcefully, tells Isaiah forcefully not to act like the other people, these people. The, the, who's he dealing with? Well, it's the potentates. It's the, it's the influentials, right? It's the, it's the somebodies, right? Say ye not a confederacy unto all whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Don't say conspiracy every time these people say the word. Don't be afraid of what scares them. Don't be terrified, right? This is, this is the instruction of the Lord to Isaiah himself. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, look, it's floodwaters are coming because we've rejected the, the sacred waters, but it's still not going to work. Don't be terrified. Okay. Um, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread, not, um, not the armies of Assyria. Okay? Um, and he shall be for a sanctuary meaning for you Isaiah for you he's the Lord if you'll fear him will be a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem so he'll be a sanctuary for you it's not going to be good for for them this is the Lord of hosts himself this is God and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and taken meaning they're going to trip on the stone, the Lord, the rock, and they're going to bash their heads, right? Uh, I think this is a valuable metaphor. Uh, rejecting God, well, in our day, rejecting God is a trivial matter, right? Uh, was it ever even worth considering following God, being enslaved to these commandments of dumb old dead Jewish guys? You know, <laughs> uh, but then... It, before you even see the rock in front of you, you trip on it and you bloody your face, or worse, right? So, um, so God is going to be Isaiah's protector, but everyone else is going to stumble over him and get get um, you know smashed up. Verse sixteen: Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. This is Isaiah speaking here. Um, and, and what does this mean? This means tie up the scroll as legal evidence to seal something. This is, um, this is uh, well, this is so like what the Book of Mormon does, right? We have a, a sealed portion of the book, 
um, in the King James is hard to recognize this, but um, remember how um, how the very first the very first Isaiah that we read in in Nephi was was the chapter where he says, "Well, I'm telling you beforehand, when it comes to pass, you won't be able to say you won't be able to make up some excuse. You know, your idol did it, or we did it, um, and this is how this is how this happens. It gets sealed up." One, one copy of it, and sometimes it's the more robust copy that has more information, is sealed up. Then when the events happen, it gets unsealed and people are able to say, oh, yeah, this really was written about the whole time. Right? God really did tell us. Right? That's, that's the idea of sealed legal documents. Well, in practice, there, there, there was a copy that was kept uh, sealed in, you know, a, a legally protected place with the judge or in the official records. And there was a public copy. And if there was a question or if the time came to enforce the terms of the of the treaty or the contract or whatever, um, then they'd go to the judge and, and the person that had standing to do so uh, would ask to un- unloose the seals and they could execute the Conditions of the judgment, or if someone breached the breached the contract, then they could go and get the sealed copy in the presence of a judge and, and open it. So, so this is the case that um, that Isaiah is making here. He's going to take the um, the prophecies that he's given and bind them up and entrust them to his uh, to his followers. Okay, so that's bind up a testimony, seal the law among my disciples. They're going to keep charge of it. Verse 17, And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. And uh, boy, does it feel like that. Um, well, I don't know. Does it feel like that to you? It does, does to me. That God hides his face. And a face, of course, you know, in Hebrew this is presence. Um, panim, hapanim is the face of the Lord, but it's also the presence, right? Um, and this is this is represented a bunch of different ways in the scriptures. In Jesus' parables, it's the master that's gone into a far country and you know, no idea what's going on there and when he's coming back, if he's coming back. And uh, you know, so the servants are beating each other and getting drunk and who knows what else that Jesus was a little bit shy to say. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but which is going on all around us, right? Verse 18. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders. So, so me, Isaiah, and Mahershalal Hashbaz and whoever else are object lessons for the house of Israel, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. We're object lessons. So pay attention to this, guys. We're, we're acting out what's going to happen, right? Okay. Verse 19. And when they shall say unto you, speak unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and buttered, mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to hear from the dead? Now, familiar spirits. We did this in the Old Testament, but let's just do it again. Ob is very easy. It's a necromancer, right? Familiar spirits is an English kind of equivalent of it. It, it doesn't... It's, it's because of English witchcraft that it says familiar spirits. Uh, in European witchcraft, you'd have the ghosts of, you know, familiars, ancestors and things like this, right? Um, that you would conjure up. But but in, in Hebrew, it's just ob, necromancer, right? What this doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> is, well, the, the Book of Mormon has a familiar spirit to the Bible. 
It's like a, it has a familiar spirit. No, it's nothing to do with that. It doesn't. It's not because it seems the same. When they say, when uh, when they say the Book of Mormon will be like someone that has a familiar spirit, he's saying it's going to be like witchcraft and necromancy, right? That's what it's going to seem like to you. And isn't that exactly what we get accused of? Well, yeah, Joseph, the witch doctor, right? The magician, whatever, treasure seeker. But no, not this. Um, say unto them that are necromancers, that's, that conjure up spirits, you should seek to God. Okay. Verse twenty: to the law and to the testimony. And if they speak not according to this word, to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it, and presumably this means the land. They'll pass through the land, hardly bestead, uh, kasha, destitute with difficulty. They'll pass through the land with difficulty and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. Meaning their hunger will make them angry and they'll curse king, the king and God. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and shall be driven to darkness. Um, not, not exactly what this means, but, but maybe, maybe driven out of the land. Um, it's not clear. Now we're on to 19, truly in the home stretch. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. Meaning, um, you know, the, glo the gloom will be dispelled for those who were anxious. When at first, meaning in former times when Israel, when Assyria destroyed Israel, the northern kingdom, he lightly afflicted or humiliated the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterwards did more grievously afflict by the way of the Red Sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. Now, um, so he's saying it's not going to be, it's, the dark gloom is not going to be like it was before when Assyria destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. Zebulun, Naphtali, these are northern tribes that got destroyed and humiliated. Right, and carried away, carried away captive, and the remnants, of course, fled down to Jerusalem, which during that time just became this massive city all of a sudden, with refugees from the north, including Lehi's ancestors. Right? Now, this might be some. This might be a mistake here. Uh, the more grievously afflicted by the way of the Red Sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. Well, the Red Sea isn't anywhere near, um, you know, Galilee of the nations. It isn't where anywhere near uh, Jordan. Right? Uh, this, this may be a, a um, dictation issue, uh, you know, from from Joseph to Oliver Cowdery is, is my thought. Right? But it's just a guess. I don't know. Oh, there might be something there going on that I don't know about. Verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Uh, now, of course, uh, now, of course, Jesus brings this back. And um, and talks about because because where is he preaching? Well, he's preaching in this northern this northern territory, right? He's preaching around Galilee in these old in the homeland of these old um, northern tribes, right? And he's saying now they really have seen a great light, right? Okay, but that's not what Isaiah is doing here. Jesus uses it for a different purpose. Isaiah is saying oh, it's not going to be as bad as it was when when Assyria came and took away the ten the ten tribes. Okay. Three, thou hast multiplied the nation, increased the joy, and they joy therefore, they, they joy before thee according to the joy in the harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide, divide the spoil. That is, you know, soldiers are pretty excited when the killing's done and it's time to just divide up the spoil, right? 
So that's joyful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Four. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. For every battle the warrior is, com- is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and with fuel of fire. Okay, this, this needs some help here. Uh, indeed, every boot that marches and shakes the earth and every garment dragged through the blood is used as fuel for the fire, meaning that that they're burning up the clothing and the boots from the war. They don't need them now. Why? Because we have a savior, right? <laughs> so uh, that, that's what this means. You know, they're burning up the stuff that they use for war. They don't need them. Okay. Six. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. So the authority is on the shoulder. Even the, even the key, uh, the, the key to the kingdom is on the shoulder, laid on the shoulder. And that's the temple robe, right? And then the right, first the right and the left shoulder, right? And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And this, you know, being called the Mighty God, boy, that's a, that's a bold one there in Isaiah. <laughs> you know, and the commentators are puzzled over that. Verse 7. Of the increase of government and peace, there is no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, I want you to think about that. You know, okay, war is going to come to an end. The people will be safe. They'll burn up all the stuff from from the wars. It's not going to be the same as what happened in Assyria when the ten tribes were carried away captive. And who's going to reign? The mighty God. No end to his government. So now you can kind of see why a lot of people liked the message of Jesus as a spiritual savior and, you know, um, and were willing to, to consider, yeah, this, this guy could be the son of God, you know, because uh, here it is in the scriptures, right? And there really isn't any way to get around this, not that I can see. Eight, the Lord sent his word unto Jacob and hath lighted upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, that say in the pride of their and the stoutness of their hearts, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we'll change them into cedars. Meaning uh, that you know the judgment that came on them had taken away their prosperity, you know, um, you know bricks and cedars. But now, they, but they thought they would achieve even, even greater prosperity later. Oh, we're gonna have them build, build with, uh, you know. Stones and uh, sycamores, right? So they were hoping for even better times ahead, even though they had uh, received some judgment there. Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against him and join his enemies together, the Syrians before the Philistines behind. And they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all, his, for all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And of course, that's ready to strike. It's not, you know, go take my hand and we'll be okay. No. Kapow. Right. Thirteen. For the people turn, turneth not to not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. <laughs> I mean, this is a great image. Uh, God smites them, and they don't reach out to him? Well, I guess in a way it kind of figures, right? <laughs> uh, you know, to, today this wouldn't be the greatest metaphor. <laughs> you know, God really sought it to you, and you're not turning to him? Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> Verse 14. Therefore will the Lord cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. The ancient, he is the head, and the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. 
for the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. So there really is this focus in Isaiah about the leadership. You see that in the Book of Mormon too. Um, you know, where, where by and large the the common people are gonna gonna kind of follow the sin or the righteousness of the leaders. It's fascinating to me that that's not the way it is in our society. We have a free society, something that the, that the Book of Mormon prophets and leaders strive for, but never really accomplish, nothing like we have, where, um, where the leaders follow the sins or the righteousness of the people. Um, and very often the righteousness of the people can withstand a great amount of wickedness among their leaders, um, which makes me worried <laughs> because... If all of if we can, if our people continue to descend into wickedness, then no righteous leader will be able to claim us back. <laughs> That's what I'm really worried about. Right. Verse seventeen. Therefore, the Lord shall have no joy in their young men; neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for every one of them is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Um. And you know, I mean, it's it's uh, hard to hard to hear this, but but I do think that we're kind of seeing this. Uh, the fatherless are in our country are profoundly uh, troublemakers. Um, and maybe that's not a great way to say it, but but look, I mean, fatherlessness in this country is a different kind here, and the products of that fatherlessness are lawless. They're not just humble begging and scraping by. No. They're causing great, great difficulty for um, for the people that that want to live peaceably, right? Um, so anyway, a different kind of widow and the same sort of thing uh, stands there. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still, and it's not a nice, uh, you know, look to it. Verse eighteen: For wickedness burneth as the fire. It's just like you know. Like a forest fire, right? It shall devour the briars and thorns and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest and they shall mount up like the lifting of lifting up of smoke. Though the wrath of the Lord of hosts, through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened and the people shall be as the fuel of fire. No man shall spare his brother. So we realize that it's not fire he's talking about, but it's like that. No, but really what it is, no man shall spare his brother. It's it's everyone for themselves, and the people are devouring themselves. Um, and he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry. Meaning mean steal. He's going to steal here, but still be hungry. They eat on the left hand, and they won't be satisfied. They shall eat every man the flesh of his own arm. Now, he doesn't mean this literally, but he's saying that's how hungry they'll be. Uh, that's how, um, you know, desperate, right? Manasseh, Ephraim, and Ephraim, Manasseh, they shall, t they together shall be against Judah. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. This is really, really horribly discouraging stuff. Um, when we see our own nation descending into this kind of Balkan-style hatred, do, do you know what I mean by that? Uh, you guys were very, very young. Some of you weren't even born uh, during the Balkan War. Which they took a relatively prosperous, I mean, by the world standards, hugely prosperous, um, country that was a mix of ethnicities, uh, but then with you know political political changes, suddenly uh, you know the Muslims and all each different ethnicity or political um, 
you know, group was at the other. We had a multi-directional war. There wasn't one side against one side. It was multiple sides. And in every little section, it was, you know, mass graves of these people or mass graves of these people. I mean, it was awful, awful. And and uh, I think it was uh, so, someone that someone that survived and uh, instead of one of the most atrocious leaders, I think it was Radovan Karadzic, uh, said, yeah, I mean, he and I, different different ethnicities, he and I, we had coffee on Thursdays at, at the local place, you know, and then in just no time, they're slaughtering each other and digging mass graves. And, and so this is a real, real thing, what Isaiah is describing, this happens. And, uh, and, I, and I worry, you know, how close we could be getting to that sort of thing. It's it, it, it's alarming to me, and maybe I should just be still and know that God is God, and not fear what man can do, but um, but fear the Lord, and then He'll be my sanctuary. Yeah, that sounds like what I should do, and not just that. Two just two short chapters away next week, is the good news. A shoot will grow out of Jesse's stock, and the spirit of the Lord, the sevenfold spirit of the Lord, will rest on him. The lion will lie down with the lamb. They'll no longer injure or destroy on my entire mountain. And, and there'll be universal submission to the Lord's sovereignty, just like the waters cover the, the sea. So, so peace is coming. Peace is coming. But not in this chapter, doggone it. <laughs> well, if you've stuck with me this far, God bless you. God bless you that you can have some return on your investment and really feel at peace with Isaiah and know that there's riches and beauty here to be found. Look at the NET translation as my recommendation. I have some books here that are probably not even as useful as that. Keep always in mind what, Isaiah, what Nephi's trying to do. He's trying to, he's trying to give Isaiah's witness alongside of Jacob's and alongside of his, which we're going to see later. Um, of the covenants, that God will fulfill the covenants, that God's powerful and gracious and merciful, and that if there wasn't any Christ, there'd be no, there'd be no us, and there'd be no salvation for us. So keep those messages in mind. Those messages are true. Um, if I could, I'd add my testimony to that, inasmuch as the Lord has let me see some glimpse of those things. Praise be to God for that. Blessings upon all of you, especially those of you that have stayed with me to the end of these chapters. Well, we're not out of the woods yet. I love you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and God bless you. <laughs>